This is week four of our series, and we're going over the hall of faith, which is what I like to call Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about faith, the importance of faith, and then it lists a lot of people, and it talks about their faith journey. And so we're highlighting those uh, in this series. And we started the first week just talking about what faith is. And it says, Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, or faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about things we can't see. In the New King James, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you look in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that word substance, the Greek word is used in Hebrews 1, 3, and it's referring to the person of Jesus. So what we talked about is faith. A lot of times we talk about faith being, I have faith for this. Faith for this I need, or faith because I need this, I need provision, I need healing. But what we're talking about is faith isn't for something. Faith is in someone. It's faith in God is what we're talking about. If you have your faith in the provider, provision comes. So we're not having faith for something. We're having faith in God. God's the one who produces something. All right? So the more, you, the more we talk about faith, remember, it's faith in our God. God is a provider. God is a healer. God is the one who strengthens us and gives us joy. That's part of who God is. So if our faith is in him, we will see those benefits in our life. But I know people who have had faith in their, <clears throat> and they're saying, yes, I have faith for this and faith for this, but they have no relationship with God. So that faith is not, that faith is not going to produce anything because it's not in something that has power. Our faith is in God, and that's what we're in, and that's what we're talking about. So we talked about that the first week and how important faith is. Then we talked about Abel. We talked about Enoch. Abel was talked about giving his first and his best. Enoch, what we talked about, was a man who pleased God. And walk with God. We talked about that last week. And, and these, these guys are only in Scripture for a few verses. There's not a whole lot said about Enoch. Abel was alive in Genesis 4-2, dead in Genesis 4-8. That's it. That was all his life. Yet he's in this chapter as one of the great men of faith. So today we're going to look at the, our, our third person, and this is Noah. All right, how many are familiar with Noah. All right, if not, you're going to be really familiar with him at the end of this, this time this morning. Hebrews 11, let's look at verse 6. This is a reminder for all of us. It is impossible to please God without faith. See, this is why this whole chapter about faith is important. Because if you don't have faith, you can't please God. That's not me, that's the word. Without faith, you cannot please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. Now, here's where it talks about Noah. It was by faith, say by faith, by faith, that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. So even in this one uh, verse, talking about Noah, it mentions faith several times. Faith is very important for us to know. It's by faith that Noah built it. It's by faith that, he, that his, his faith condemned the rest of the world, and he received righteousness that comes by result of his faith. So we're talking about this faith. Now, I'm going to read to you the story of Noah, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to kind of just break this story down as we read it. So some of these verses we're going to go through, 
And some of the verses we may not hit, but they're in your notes, so you can go back and look at them. But we'll probably hit several of them. But just I just want to actually go through the story. Usually I'll just kind of summarize it, but I want you to pick up on some things. All right. Now I don't have this on the screen, but I will tell you that uh, in verse five, chapter five, here's what it says about uh, when Noah was born in chap- verse twenty-eight of chapter five. When Lamech, who was his father, was 182 years old, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah. So Noah was born to Lamech, who was 182. Could you imagine? No. Um, So 182. And it says, Lamech named his son Noah because he said, may he bring relief or comfort from our work and the painful labor of farming the ground that the Lord has cursed. So because of the curse that came and men had to toil on the ground and the labor of the ground, Noah, his name meant relief and comfort. And that's what he was bringing to Lamech who was out on the field and this was a sign to him of this will help remember about relief from this curse that we're under. So that's where it was. At verse 32, Noah was 500 years old when he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. See, that's weird to us because we don't, we don't live that long. Anybody in here 500? No. So we're like, oh, he was old. But back then it was different. See, now it would be like grandma's pregnant. Ooh, that's weird. <laughs> back then, it's not so weird. Some of y'all just got real like, oh, you didn't have to say that. Um, all right, but <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But that's what it's like. It was like, you know, an old, he's 500 years old, and he has these three children. Now, look at chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 9. This is the story of Noah. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. Listen to this, what it says about Noah. The only blameless person living on the earth at the time. Could you imagine This is what the Bible says about Noah, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. See, when you read the beginning of chapter 6, you'll see that that God looked out and saw how mankind had just turned. And there was so much evil, so much wickedness, so much darkness in the world. And and, and God's like, you know what? They're they're gone. I mean, they were just, it was evil. That's the world that Noah lived in, yet Noah was blameless. Blameless doesn't mean he was perfect. It means, but he did not fall to that idea of living life for himself. Doesn't mean, you know, righteous people fall, right? The Bible says a righteous man falls, but he gets back up. That's, what, that's the difference. So all this, all the world is so evil and so dark, yet here's Moses Standing strong. Noah, thank you for your help there, buddy. Be the man. I'm going to hand my Bible to him. All right, stay with me, man. I can mess up again. All right. So Noah, Noah is staying strong. In the midst of all the difficult and all the stuff that's around, Noah's standing strong. Now, that alone can help us because we live in a very, very messed up world. You look at it, you look all over the world. You watch the news, even just yesterday. All the stuff that's going on, the hatred, the stuff, it's just, it's everywhere. Can we still live a righteous, blameless life? 
We absolutely can. But it's got to be because we're connected to God. And that's what Noah was. And here's how I know that. Because right after it says he was blameless, it says this, that he walked in close fellowship with God. Remember when we talked about Enoch last week and how he walked with God. Enoch and Noah are the only people you see in scripture that says actually walked with God. Like walked with him. In close fellowship with him. Now here's, here's that idea that we talked about last week. There's a lot of times when we, in our own life, we see God as God on the throne. And this is how we live our life sometimes. And we have God up on the throne and we just walk our journey. But whenever we get in trouble or whenever something happens, then we run to God. We don't, we don't live with God. We don't walk with God. We don't talk with God. And all of a sudden trouble happens and then we want to go get God. You see, the difference between that and what Noah was doing is Noah was with God. He was walking with God. Every day he was connected to God. So when he's walking his journey, he, he's, he's, he has God with him that sees what he sees. God can protect him. God can look after him. He's not walking alone and then when he hits a bump, runs to God. He's walking with God. There is something about us, you know, and we, we talk about um, our, the importance of a daily walk with God. But yet sometimes we get stuck and life happens. And I'm telling you, the, it's the enemy. We can think it's just it's normal and it's just part of life. I'm telling you, it's the enemy that gets you so busy or so tired or so concerned or so frustrated that you, that you are not staying connected with God on a daily basis. It's the enemy that keeps you away from times where, where you know you need to be encouraged and you know you need to get in the word and hear the word. But it's like, oh, I'm just tired today. I'm just, I don't want to do that today. I don't I'm telling you, the enemy is all about you not connecting with God. And Moses, I mean Moses, here we go. Noah, Noah walked with God. In other words, if you're walking with God, then he's, he's, you're, you're communicating every step of the way. And that's, that's what made Noah who Noah was. That's what made him stand out. Now let's keep going. All right. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all the living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all, all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, <clears throat> 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every, every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. So listen to this. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. 
Now, God's command was pretty detailed. And here's what he says to Noah. He says, I want you to build a boat, a big boat, because a flood's coming. Now, you see in Genesis 2.5, it talks about it had never rained. It talks earlier that it had never been any rain. It says in Hebrews, when we read it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we just read a minute ago, it says, by faith, Noah did, built a boat before things, I mean, he says it in a way that not, before something that had never happened. He built this boat knowing something that had never happened and never rained. But he builds this boat to protect his family because why? Because God said. Now, here's, what, here's where we're going to start today. Noah heard from God. Part of hearing from God is because he walked with him. He spent time with him. You know what we can learn from Noah? You hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God. How many, how many of you, and I'm not saying audible, but how many of you would say, I remember a time that God spoke to me? may not have been audible. It may have been through a message. It may have been through the word. It may have been through something, but you are clear that God spoke to you about something. Raise your hand. See, all of us should be able to, to say that at some point because God speaks to his people. It had never rained. This didn't make sense. It didn't make sense that rain was coming. Listen, he was over 500 years old, and he's told to build this boat. Now, when you, when you look at all that this means, he had to trust. He had to trust that he was hearing from God. There was something about hearing from God that he was confident that that was God because it resulted in him actually going and building a boat. And we'll get to that part in a minute. But he heard from God. And as I was reading, and as it was all going to be about Noah, Noah being obedient, but I thought, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, I just, man, God doesn't speak to me. And I'm telling you, God speaks to you. What you need to allow the Lord to help you with is that you begin to hear his voice. Because sometimes the reason you don't hear his voice is because all the other ones are loud. The voice of the world, the voice of society, your voice, everybody else's voice, all the stuff you're involved in. And sometimes until you shut everything down and are quiet before the Lord. Because how many of us have been guilty of going to the Lord when we need something? We do all the talking. Anybody have a friend like that? Don't raise your hand if they're in the room. All right? But I remember I used, there used to be this guy. He would call me, and all he would do is just talk, 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 talk. And it's just like, you know, he would ask me questions, but never let me answer. Man, what do you think, you sh what do you think I should do? Because I'm thinking, like, maybe I should. And then he just keeps going. And it's just a constant, constant, constant. You know, what would you do in that situation? Because me, and then they go again. How many, times are we, how many times have we seen that? How many times are we guilty of that with God? Lord, I need your help. I, you know, Lord, show me what to do. And then we talk and we talk. And then when we're done talking, we leave. We, we finish our conversation with God and we kind of hang up that spiritual phone and go do our thing. But we need to understand, you hear the voice of God. The scriptures that we have down there, let's look, at a, let's look at a few of them. First of all, you can hear from the word. Psalms 119, 105 says, The word is a lamp to your feet and a light into your path. 
This word right here will direct you. If you need direction in your life, you need wisdom as far as what direction you're supposed to go, I'm telling you, the word of God will speak to you. And it will give you direction. Let's keep going. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16. All, All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. He uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So he uses his word to help us know what to do and how to do it. All right? And then here's else. There are times when God will speak to you other ways. And the good part about God is he's faithful. And now we don't have to read all this, but it's 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. It's in your notes. I'm just going to tell you the story. Samuel is, is laying down. He's resting. And he hears his name, Samuel. Like he audibly, he hears it, Samuel. And he gets up and he runs to Eli. Eli was, was there. He runs to Eli and he says, Eli, did, what do you need? And Eli said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, did you call him? And he said, no. So he goes back in and he lays back down and then he hears it again. Samuel. And he gets back up and he, and he runs back to Eli and he's like, okay, what do you need? And Eli says, listen, I didn't call, I didn't, I'm not saying anything. That wasn't me. And finally, Eli helps him to understand, listen, God may be speaking to you. Next time you hear, it might be, it may be God. So the third time in verse 10, Samuel's, Samuel's laying there and he hears Samuel. And this time he responds, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And God begins to speak to Samuel. Now, this is the part, I say this all the time, it's my favorite part about this story. And what it did for me the first time that God kind of showed me this, is that I realized God spoke to Samuel and he didn't recognize his voice. But you know what he did? He spoke again. And he still didn't recognize it. So what did he do a third time? He spoke again. Here's the promise for us. God will continue to speak to you until you recognize it's him. That's a good, that's a good God that doesn't want you to miss it. He's like, listen, I'm trying to tell you. God will speak to you. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you just audibly. He'll speak to you through the spirit. Look at John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. If you're saved... And you're part of the family of God. Listen, you hear his voice. Whether you recognize it or not, but you hear it. It's part of who you are. It's part of who you are. He speaks to you. Now, we were here one time, and we were doing some work after church, and there was a a football game on, and uh, it was, I don't know, the Panthers were playing somebody. And so while we were working, we thought, hey, we can get the game. We had this little antenna, and we hooked it up to this TV so we could watch the game uh, while we're doing whatever. It was. I don't even remember what we were doing, but we, we had it up. Yeah, setting up Christmas decorations. We had it up, and there was times where, they, where we would not get a good signal, and it would go out. And whenever it went out, you know what we never did? Called the TV station. Hey, man, you guys need to get your signal over here. You guys, aren't, you guys aren't sending out quality stuff. It's not working. It was on our end. It was a connection. It was, it was, it was something on this end. And you, sometimes you have to realize, you know, we don't have a good connection. We don't have, it's not working here. 
And sometimes with God, if we don't hear something that we think we should hear, we want to say, God doesn't speak. God doesn't speak. I'm telling you, God speaks. A lot of times it's us. We get too busy. Or we, we have this filter on that we want to hear one thing. And if it's not that, then we're not going to hear it. And you can't be like that. you got to be like, whatever you say, God, speak to me. I want to know. I want to hear your voice. Look at John 14, 26. The Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as a representative. He will teach you everything, and he'll remind you of everything I've told you. So even the Spirit of God in you will bring to remembrance things that God speaks. Those other verses kind of show you that same thing. Look at Acts 13, too, the last verse there. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, okay, so worshiping the Lord. We talked about worship. Worship isn't singing. Singing might be a way that you worship, but worship is your connection to God. Walking with God, a daily, daily, constant connection with God. That's worship. While they're worshiping, look at the next phrase. The Holy Spirit said. They were divinely directed by the Holy Spirit in a time of worship. God speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks through worship. He speaks through all different ways, but God speaks. Noah heard God speak. And then what happened? What did he do once he heard? Noah obeyed. He acted. See, that's the tough part. Any of us can say, oh, yeah, man, if God says, do it. And then when God says, you'll see. You'll see. I've always said, whatever God tells me to do, I'll do. It doesn't matter what it is, I'll do it. And then he tells me. And I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. That's not comfortable. That's not, I don't know how to do that. That doesn't make sense to me. Has God ever asked you to do something or led you to do something that was uncomfortable? Yeah. And guess what? He'll do it again. Because sometimes being able to step out in faith is going to be uncomfortable. Without getting into all of our story, a lot of you know, Patty and I, we quit our jobs not knowing what God had for us. We just knew he told us to get ready for something, and he told us to leave our jobs. That was uncomfortable. I've always said, oh, yeah, whatever God says, we do it. And then he says that. And I'm like, God, what? that doesn't make sense. Who's going to pay the bills? Where's money going to come from? That's all of our income gone. But you know what? We did it. And he was faithful. But it was a step of faith. And that step of faith, I'm telling you, was one of the most growing times of my life. It was one of the, one of the things that it did more for me than almost any other thing that's ever happened in my life. Being able to step out in faith and trust God and be obedient when you don't know what's going to happen. Being obedient, stepping out and doing what God says. John 15, 14, John 14, 15, both of those. It talks about if you love me, if you're my friends, then obey me. Obey the Lord's commands. That's how you know that you're a child of God. You obey what the Lord says. But obedience can be difficult. Because we always, sometimes, and this is where faith comes in. That's why we started with, it takes faith to please the Lord. Because sometimes it's hard to obey when you don't know how something's going to turn out. You don't know how. But the Lord tells you to do something and you think, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. I didn't know Thrive was going to start. I didn't know what the church was going to look like. I didn't know if anybody would ever show up. I didn't even know if I could do it. I didn't know any of that. All I knew at the moment was I needed to make the first step. And after the first step, then comes the second. 
And God leads you along that whole journey. But it's got to be, it's got to be that of obedience. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and then put it into practice. See, there's something that frustrates me, not about any of you, but about me growing up, is how much I grew, I grew up in church. And I could tell you every story. I could tell you a lot of stuff. But putting it into practice was a whole new thing. It's amazing how easy it is to talk about the love of God until someone pulls out in front of you. It's amazing how easy it is to talk about forgiveness until somebody hurts you. I mean, it's it's amazing how it is to talk about, man, you just need to be patient. And then you have to wait. You know what? It's it's this, this whole idea that for us, knowing what we should do and then doing it. James 1.22 talks about don't just <clears throat> be hearers of the word, but be doers. Don't just hear what God says, but do it. And Moses had instructions. You've got to think about Moses for a minute. I mean, Noah. I'm off now. You've got to think about Noah for a minute. It had never rained. 500, when, he, when at the end of chapter 5, he starts chapter 6 going... All this stuff going to the ark. He was 600 years old when he stepped into the ark. A hundred years building an ark. When it's never rained. I don't know what it would be like for you, but you just think about your neighbor starting to build a big boat. And you say, what's that for? It's going to flood the earth, and everyone's going to die but me and my family and animals. We're going to take two of every animal. We're going to put all, just two of every animal on the boat. And we're going to put them all on and save two of every animal. But the rest of the animals are going to die too. And they're all, we're all going to put them on the boat, and we're going to get on the boat. And then it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's done. Okay, Noah. Mo, uh, we might need to call someone. Noah's losing it. I guarantee you, he was talked about. I guarantee you, he was laughed at. I guarantee you, he, was, he got that look. I guarantee you, he wasn't the most popular person. Well, he may have been in a negative way. But I guarantee it was a little bit of a challenge to live out obedience when it doesn't make sense to anybody else. But yet he was obedient. He was obedient. Look, we have this in your notes, but being obedient when it doesn't make sense and when people are against you. Look look at the first one. Here's an example of being obedient when it doesn't make sense. You'll recognize this when we start reading in uh, Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Here's Mary, confused and disturbed. <laughs> Imagine that. How you feeling, Mary? Uh, a little confused and a little disturbed. Mary tried to think what, that, what the angel can mean. Then the angel said, don't be afraid. 
for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can, this, how can it be? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more is your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she, was conceived, she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Here's Mary, just minding her own business. This angel shows up, says, you're going to have a baby. And he's going to be the Messiah. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to reign forever. This is who you're, it's going to be your child. You're going to carry this child. She's like, uh, she's confused. She says, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, the angel had to appear to Joseph to kind of <laughs> help him a little bit. Could you imagine, uh, Mary, we got to talk. This whole angel thing. Imagine how that could have been. But you know what? Mary came to the point that says, Lord, whatever you say, let it be. Whatever you say, does it make sense to me? I don't know how that's even possible, but wherever you say, let it be. Mary was willing to go through this journey just because God said it, even though it didn't make sense. Remember the story where Peter was fishing and, and he came in and Jesus wanted to use his boat to preach to the crowd. So Jesus stood in the boat and he preached and then he told Peter, he said, take the boat, let's take your boat back out and catch and throw your nets out. And Peter said, we've been out there all night and we have caught anything. And then Peter said this, but because you say so, we'll do it. And he went out and he caught so much fish, he had to call another boat out to help with all the fish that they caught. Why did he go out there? Not because it made sense, because in the natural it didn't make sense. But because God said so. And it was obedient even when it didn't make sense. Then look at this one, when people are against you. Look at 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to read this whole story. But I'm going to tell you what it's about. This is where Goliath shows up, and he's, he's, going, he's talking smack against God. Okay, he's, he's just, this is the whole David-Goliath story. David comes and gives food to his brothers because his, his brothers were in this battle, and he's just a little shepherd boy. And his dad, Jesse, sends him to go take some grain and some food to his brothers. While he's there, he sees Goliath saying all this stuff about God. And he said, listen, is anyone going to stand up to this guy? Goliath's over nine feet tall. He's a big guy. David's a little guy. And this David says, you know what? Someone needs to say something. You know what David's brother said? Uh, David, you need to head on home, buddy. You need to head on home. It's paraphrased, but that's what they were saying. You need to, you need to go home. This ain't, this ain't your battle. Little David, head on back to the shepherd, to the sheep. So David's like, you know what? I'll, I'll fight him. 
I'll go out there. He can't, he's not going to come against our God like that. And his brothers were already against him. Didn't think he could do it. So what happens? He goes to, he goes to the king and he says, hey, I'll go fight him. And Saul's like, no, you can't go out there. He'll destroy you. You're just a boy. And David said, listen, I'll, and, and so this whole conversation happens, and David finally says, I'm going. And, Saul, and Saul's like, you know what, all right. And then says, here, take this armor. You're going to need this. He says, nope, I'm not going to do it. So you have the king, and you have his brothers who don't believe in David. They don't think he can do it. They tell him, you, you better get out of here. And then he goes to Goliath. So he's out there to fight, and Goliath starts making fun of him like, who am I that you would send this little dog out here? Who, you send this little guy out here to fight me? And remember, he's got no armor. He's got nothing. So not only is the enemy laughing at him, his brothers don't think he can do it. The king, the authority in his life doesn't think he can do it. But what happens in the story? He takes him out. He goes out and he kills Goliath. In front of everyone. Where did that strength come from to go out and face Goliath when everybody else says you can't do it? It comes from God and it comes from remembering too how faithful God has been. That when you're doing something on behalf of God, you can remember God's with you. That's where David says, the same God that rescued me from the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And he goes out there and he destroys this this giant because he wasn't worried about what everybody thinks he wasn't worried about it. he's like you know what I'm gonna be I'm gonna stand up for what's right I'm gonna do what's right it doesn't it doesn't matter the cost it doesn't matter what people say the greatest temptation I think we face today and I know when I was youth pastor and it was I told this to the youth all the time is we have to make this decision every day. Are we going to please God or are we going to please people? We live in a world where now it's, we have to make sure that we want to try to please everybody. So it, you can't stand for an issue or against an issue. We just, we got to make sure that everybody's happy. You know, God wants us to, to do this and we want to live this way, but we feel like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want them to think I'm, you know, I actually had someone tell me, no one here, but it was a long time ago. Someone told me, you know, I don't want to be too spiritual at work because then they won't talk to me and I can't witness. And I understand what they were trying to say, but I'm like, actually, probably the brighter your light, the more they'll show up. But we somehow think that we have to, like, compromise a little bit to help people feel more comfortable. Can I tell you what the world's looking for? something different they're not looking for something that 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 they can relate to they're looking for something that's better than what they got hope that that that's there no matter what we don't have that in our world today and you know what we don't have and we don't have believe well we do but not enough we have a lot of believers that want to still play that middle of the road they want to be serious for God one week and not so serious the next we want to be all committed. Man, I'm, I'm in this thing to grow to just whatever God wants. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then we go back and we're like, well, you know, just 
I'm telling you, our walk with God, look, we have to decide it's constant, it's growing, and whatever he says, we do. And this isn't just a command about changing a job or something like this. This is what does he say? He says, love one another as I've loved you. That's everybody. He says, forgive those people who hurt you. He said, pray for your enemies. That's what he says. That's, that, now, are we doing that? That's obedience. Obedience to, to what his word says. That's where God has us. That's what Noah, that's why Noah was so faithful. And he's in this chapter because Noah was like, look, it doesn't make sense to build an ark when it's never rained. I don't even know what an ark is. I don't even know how to build an ark. I just have to do what God tells me to do. And I have to figure out how to do this. Listen, they didn't have Lowe's and Home Depot. He wasn't like, okay, so let me just order this in. Hey, I need a bunch of wood. I'm building an ark. Can you just deliver it? They didn't have that. They had to cut trees. A hundred years. A hundred years to build this thing. And he was faithful. And the only thing he was doing was doing what God said. It would have been a little easier if every now and then there would have been a little thunder. Like, okay, oh, yeah, he's for real. Neighbors start shutting up. Oh, you know what? I think I just heard something. No, it might be right. But there's no sign of any of that. And you know how good God is? He tells them to build it, but he says, I'll send the animals. Don't worry. The neighbors have to know. I mean, listen, if you're sitting in your front, you're sitting on the deck, and all of a sudden you see two giraffes walking by, like, oh, my goodness, they're going down to Noah's house. Here comes two elephants, cheetahs, hyenas. Could you imagine? Deer. <laughs> Hunters be like, hey! No, 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 they're going to the ark. Leave them alone. You're not going to be around to eat that meat anyway. So, all these, imagine all these animals. And God, here's what God's doing. In his obedience, God's saying, listen, I'll, I'll help you with everything I'm asking you to do. He didn't tell Noah, hey, somehow start rounding up as many animals as you can. He's like, I'll send them to you. That's a miracle. His being obedient, he sees the miraculous provision of God in his obedience. He sees everything come into place just the way God wanted it to. Because he's obedient. This, this, is, where, this is where this whole message hit me. And I'm, I'm finishing with this. And the reason I kind of went through it quick, because I want to I wanna, I wanna bring this home for a minute. We are in the last days. I'm telling you, I think that they're warm. I think that trumpet is getting warmed up. And I think at any moment, Jesus is coming again. And I know everybody always says that, but I'm telling you, we're closer every minute. We're closer. And I'm, I'm puzzled and a little bit like Mary, confused and disturbed because I, I believe that there's more to us than what people see. And I think the church is the hope. Well, Jesus is, but I think that, that we are the hope of the world because we have Jesus. Christ is in us, the hope of our glory. I think we're the answer, not us as in thrive, the body of Christ. Christ. 
We have the answer. And people are struggling and they're frustrated and they're hurting. But because we have this little place where we want to kind of just tiptoe around, and I'm like, I believe it's time for all of us, not just thrive, for the body of Christ to rise up and say, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. If it means I'm walking down the street and and my neighbor's outside and the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to go talk to your neighbor. He's going through something. Then we're going to say, okay. I've told you that story before about that man at Kroger sitting on the back of his truck. I'm in college. I'm in my young, early 20s. And God says, go over to that man and tell him I love him and tell him you love him. Big old dude on the back of a truck. I'm like, God, there's no way. He looks mad. I'm not. I I don't. And I played that whole wrestle with God thing. You know, I'm going to go on in here, but if that's you, then you're going to have to make sure he's out here when I come back. So I'm delaying doing what he says. Delayed obedience is still what? Disobedience. So I go into Kroger's. I get my Hot Pockets because I'm in college. That's what I ate. I go in. I get Hot Pockets and some snacks. And I come out, and sure enough, he's still sitting right there. And I was like, oh. And I felt it. Listen, I felt it strong. For me, at 21, 22 years old, I knew it wasn't me. I've never thought about that. I would love to find a stranger, tell him God loves him and that I love him. I would love that. That ain't me. I knew the devil wouldn't want me to go tell somebody God loved them. So I'm kind of using process of elimination to realize this this might really be God. But because of my own pride and my own stuff, and I didn't want to look stupid, and I didn't want to hear him make fun of me if if he didn't receive what I said, that I got in my car and I drove off. And I barely got down the road, and it got so strong I had to turn around. And I got out of my car, and I walked straight up to him with as much confidence that I had. And I said, man, you're going to think this is crazy, but I'm a Christian. And I just felt like I was supposed to come over here and tell you that God loves you. The second part was the harder part. And I love you. And when I said that, this Big old burly rough dude cried like a baby. And then I cried. And now I'm mad. Because now I'm embarrassed because everybody in the Kroger parking lot's like, those two dudes, what's wrong with them? They're hugging and crying on the back of a pickup truck. And he told me, he said, I woke up this morning to a note my wife and kids left. And I was sitting here thinking the easiest way to just take my life. I would have had no idea, but God knew. And because God knew, he said, listen, if I could find someone that would be obedient, I could save that man's life. And sometimes we get so busy in our world and so busy on our job, so busy with our stuff, so busy doing what we want to do and not what we should do. And people's lives are on the line. And God's saying, listen, will you, will you hear me? It's important for you to hear me because I'm going to tell you things that's going to save other people and help other people. Will you hear what I'm saying to you? And then will you do it? Even if it doesn't make sense.
Will you do it? Some of you in here, listen to me, some of you in here, there's been a, there's a little tug that you've had for a while about something God's wanted you to do. And you've wrestled. And I want to encourage you, do it. If it's talk to someone, if it's do something, if it's pray for somebody, if it's visit somebody, if it's restore a relationship, whatever it is, if God's been tugging at your heart to do it, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart to be obedient. Be obedient. Didn't make sense for Noah, but he did it. And his family was saved. Because he decided, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying. And it doesn't make sense. And I don't even know what that means to reign like that. But because you say so, I'll do it. I close with this. In Genesis 8, chapter 1, the first thing it says is, God remembered Noah. Chapter 9, verse 1, it says, God blessed Noah. Through the process of you being obedient, walking with God, listen, God knows where you're at. He'll be faithful to you. And you will be blessed. When it's all said and done, you'll be blessed by doing what God asks you to do.